What's going on, everybody? This is Heath, and I'm here with Steven. This is Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. Week one of college football in the books. It was a great weekend, a lot of upsets. Coach Prime gets the biggest upset of the week, one that Steven called. We have a great, great show lined up for you. We were supposed to have our Darius Stewart, former Alabama receiver, national champion. That kind of fell through. We're going to reschedule that. He has something come up. We're going to reschedule that for later on during the season. Super excited for that interview. This this episode, we're going to be breaking down Alabama for Texas, what we're looking for. If we think Alabama can pull it off, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. I do think they will win this game. We're going to go over the big matchups from week one. LSU, Clemson getting upset, like I mentioned, Colorado. What our new college football playoff predictions look like. Stick around for the for our first segment. All right, we're back. Week one in the book. Steven, how do you think Alabama looked after week one versus Middle Tennessee? Uh, I was very, very impressed with uh, Milrow. Very, very pleased. Uh, I feel better about, you know, we'll talk about this later, but I feel better leading into the Texas game about him because if he had gotten in there and was like, just okay, and you put Buckner in, and he was just okay. I would have been pretty uh, nervous. I feel better about him. was a little disappointed in the O-line. Uh, they had a lot of big talk in the offseason coming into that game. I don't think they showed out as well as they could, but I will say Middle Tennessee blitzed you know, pretty much the entire game. Some of the checks maybe that Milrow needed to make along the offensive line had a little bit to do with that. But overall, very pleased, but for sure pleased with Milrow. Yeah, and I, I was impressed with Milrow as well. We were they were, The offense was very vanilla. I don't think they showed a whole lot. At least I hope they yeah. wasn't. I hope that's not their offense. But I'm right there with you. The offensive line, you know, I know you heard it. I heard it. Everybody I watched the game with heard it, that this could be one of the best offensive lines, you know, Alabama's ever had under Saban. These guys are – and they made a, such a big deal about them weighing over 350 pounds. And it's funny, they showed the graphic of the New England Patriots offensive line, and I'm like – you know, they failed to mention the New England Patriots had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year. So, yeah. si- size really doesn't mean anything if you're not quick enough to block somebody. And that's what Middle Tennessee was doing. They were blitzing. But I really think that's what a lot of teams that we are going to play this year is going to do. They're going to load the box and make Milrow beat us. I was impressed. You know, it's hard to take away a lot from playing a team against like Middle Tennessee. They're not very great. You outmatch them at every single position. I thought the defense was solid. I really liked the tackling. There was not a lot of missed tackles like there was. Still not a lot of – the D-line honestly scares me with our interior pressure. You know, moving uh, Otis out to – did you notice they moved Otis out to D-end? He's starting yeah, to D-end yeah, now. In their, in, their, in their base package, yeah, I see. He, and, and that's what also kind of – in their base package, Mil, or not Mil, um Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell typically are not on the field at the same time. Unless it's like a obvious passing situation, did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because <clears throat> they had they had the three bigger guys, and then it was either Dallas Turner or Chris Braswell. I know you probably think a lot like me, man. I would rather move Otis inside and have Braswell and Turner outside. I'm guessing they doing it. Do they are doing it for the run game to help the run game out? Is that what you think? Yeah, because you know Middle Tennessee, I believe, was like that's what their offense is. A lot of quarterback runs, read options, and and stuff like that. So I think they were kind of a, uh, you know, high pace but a run heavy team. 
so maybe that's that's why. Um, I know you and I kind of touch base on it, texting each other. I, I don't understand for the life of me why you keep wanting to drop Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell, two of the best pass rushers in the country, constantly dropping them into coverage you know, the whole game. I mean, Saban knows what he's doing. He's you know obviously he's smarter than us, dude. But to me, I'm like, I, I just I don't understand it really. I'm with you, and I think a lot of people owe Pete Golding a little bit of an apology because I heard a lot last week and going into the game, you know, at least we won't have Dallas Turner. And like last year, a lot of people complained about Will Anderson and Dallas Turner dropping into the flats and not rushing. They're like, at least we won't have to deal with that. Yeah, we did because we did that against Middle Tennessee. And I'm with you. If, if we do that against Texas, it'll be very concerning. I think one of the biggest takeaways against Middle Tennessee – was the injuries, and we can kind of go ahead and move into the Texas game. Malachi Moore and Jalen Key, both the starters. Malachi started it at the star position. Key was at safety. They both got hurt. Their status for this upcoming week is in question. We don't know if they're going to play. How big of a loss would it be if we didn't have if we didn't have both of those guys and then one of them? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be hard enough with your entire secondary and entire defense 100% healthy, it's going to be hard enough to stop Texas because from number one, Steve Sarkeesian is probably one of the best, if not the best, offensive minds, best play callers to set his guys up, to get his guys open in the country. And on top of that, you have one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best wide receiver groups in the country. And, you know, their tight end is phenomenal as well. So even if you had everybody healthy, it would be extremely hard um, if those two guys are out, it's, it, man, it's, it, it could be it could be rough. I mean, I'm not. I have, you know, Christian Story that would probably slide in there and start. He has experience. I mean, he's a senior, so he's been there. He should know what he's doing. It's just about putting it on the field. And then the I think Earl Little might come in and play the star position possibly. Um, I don't know. I know in the off season they were talking about this secondary has a lot of versatility. So we might have to see that on Saturday if, if one or both of those guys don't play. Yeah, we might. And that's kind of when Middle Tennessee started to move the ball with success. When those two guys come in, I really hope Malachi Moore and Key can play because it's going to be all hands on deck. Texas is loaded at the skill position with Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and their tight end Sanders. So Yeah, they one thing, and we already mentioned Milro, but the other thing I took away from the Middle Tennessee game was how much depth they have at certain positions. Like just mentioned tight ends. I think four tight ends were on the field in the first drive. Two on one play, and then a few plays later, you rotate those guys out, two more tight ends come in. Uh, and then on the defense, you know, there's not a lot of experience, but there's a lot of guys in the front seven, especially a linebacker that's constantly rotating in and out. Other than Deontay Lawson, I think there was three or four other linebackers beside him that were rotating in and out the whole game uh then the secondary obviously there's depth there so for sure a lot of depth and players i guess they feel good enough and confident enough in to get on the field yeah and uh i want to go over some of the keys i think for the texas game i already hit on some of them with you before we started i think the biggest key saturday is going to be staying in short third and short third and manageable man if we get behind the chain, so that means penalties and sacks and tackles for loss, man, are going to be huge. We can't – I just 
I do not think we can be very successful if we're not ahead of chains. And I'm not – there's no slide against – I'm not trying to disrespect Jalen Milrow. To me, he's Jalen Hurts. And not the most polished passer right now. Definitely not Bryce, Mack, or Tua throwing the ball. But if you can stay in third and short, third and manageable, it lets him do things with his legs. So if he does have to take off and get you four or five yards, he can easily do that. And then offensive line play, man, is going to be massive. We have got – and honestly, I was very frustrated watching the game uh, Saturday. Dude, we had the same problems. Running backs were getting drilled at the line of scrimmage. I just felt like there wasn't no holes. I've seen some people saying it was the running back's fault. They wasn't seeing the right hole, you know, this and that. What do you think is one of the biggest keys that our offense will have to do Saturday to be successful? Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously they've got to they've got to lean on the running game. It's going to be the first big, big game for Milrow. I mean, it is good that it's at home. If this were at Texas, it'd be you know nuts for him. But it's still going to be a big game. He still might be nervous. Um, they've got to lean on that run game. And then if they are stacking the box and constantly blitzing like Middle Tennessee was, then the receivers have to know there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities, and you have to be able to win that. Um, I mean, I feel I feel good about our receivers better than last year. I know and talking about the tight ends, Amari Knobloch is – a huge mismatch can line him up at receiver or even get him inside lined up on a, uh, a linebacker or a safety or something. But for sure it starts with the running game and even get some more quarterback runs involved. Yeah. Quarterback runs, my God, for sure. And what do you make? I never heard anything about it after the game. Ja'Cory Brooks didn't play the first half. He must've been just suspended and then the big offseason acquisition with Malik Benson, the number one JUCO receiver, number one player, JUCO player, he barely, I don't know if you want to say saw the field. I didn't see him very much. He had one catch, wasn't very effective. Do you think that we can get these guys more involved, or are we just going to be mainly a two-tight end team, try to run the ball, and receivers are going to have to get it when they can? Yeah, uh, he – I think maybe the first game, at least for the first little while, until they kind of get comfortable with what they're doing, they started off with, hey, let's just run the ball, short passes, run the ball, short passes. Um, but, I mean, I definitely think later on in the year, as the more Milrow gets comfortable, they can open it up. Uh, I mean, cause, I mean, they do have a lot of talented receivers, so I definitely see them opening it up if they need to. Um, and it basically just depends on – maybe the way that the defense is playing them. If they're playing the pass, then okay, we'll run it. If you're playing the run, then we have the receivers to beat you. So, yeah, I think Benson's going to get more and more involved. Um, I think they were just going to guys that Milrow is extremely comfortable with because, uh, you know, Bond obviously has the speed, but Benson is also a deep ball threat. So, I think he'll he'll definitely be more involved probably in this next game, if not um, then, then later on in the year. I sure hope so because I think big plays are going to be big against Texas. And I would like to see some of these freshmen run up. Uh, Haynes get some more carries and Jam Miller. So I'm going to move to the defensive side of the ball. What I think we need to do to be successful is pressure, pressure, pressure. We have got to pressure Quinn Ewers. And me and Steven, everybody knows Steve Sarkeesian, 
he is going to go a lot of max protect and leave a lot of guys in to block. And it's going to be a lot of two-receiver, three-receiver routes like he did last year in the first quarter, and it absolutely killed us. Quinn Ewers was on pace to throw for over 400 yards last year before he got hurt. I want to say he had like 100 and maybe 40, 150 yards in the first quarter before he got hurt. They already scored a touchdown, and they were about to score again when he got hurt. So I think we got to put pressure and I'm excited to maybe I don't know I don't know what they're going to do. It would be key to have our guys healthy in the secondary. If not, and honestly, it leaves me really concerned because I don't think Texas is going to run the ball a whole lot. I think it's going to be a lot of them airing it out with Quinn Ewers. He's a good quarterback. So that's my takeaway. What is one of your biggest takeaways for Alabama to win? I mean, kind of like what you said. The main thing is pressure. I would rather, you know, apply pressure and get the ball out of his hands extremely fast just rely on our guys to either knock the ball down, intercept it, or make a tackle short to stick or something like that. Because if you just let him, any quarterback, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or your average quarterback, if you have all day to just sit there and look for somebody, I would say most of the time, most of the time you're going to find someone open. So definitely have to have pressure. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, even when he was at Bama, that's what Sarkeesian was known for, was having max protect and only like two or three men route. Um, but yet, guys were always open. <laughs> um, so, you, you have to get pressure. Like I said, I mean, that, this is not a game for Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell to be constantly no. dropping into coverage. It's, it's just not. Um, you have to have them get in. If they're getting double team and triple team, then someone else has to step up. We had this versus Middle Tennessee. Um, there wasn't a lot of interior pressure. That's something yeah. that. Interior pressure is better than edge pressure because, you know, you have interior pressure. There's nowhere for the quarterback to go because it's coming right up the middle. Uh, so someone's got to step up. And, but by, by far, the number one thing is just pressure, pressure, pressure. Yeah, Steve, I love watching the game with Steven. And anybody listening, you had until Steven is, hey, if he's going to lose – He's going down heating up the quarterback. I remember last year, that was one of your biggest things against Tennessee. We couldn't stop him. You are like, blitz, blitz, blitz. Yeah, dude. I'll tell you, <laughs> if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd be blitzing all night long. Now, you might hit one on us. You might hit one on us, but you don't have to get it out fast. We're coming to hit you. Yeah, that's your biggest thing. Blitz, blitz, blitz. So, I'm going to give my prediction for the Texas game that you can give yours. I have Texas in the playoffs. And all summer, preseason, I was kept saying, I think Texas is going to win. But after watching Jalen Milrow, I am confident. Not very confident, but I am confident. On a scale from 1 to 10, I'm about a 3. Give me Alabama Saturday and what I think is going to be a very low-scoring game. Like kind of last year, give me Alabama 23 to 20 for Texas. Would I be shocked if Texas wins? Absolutely not. But I cannot go against my guys. Alabama 23-20. Uh, this is hard for me. You know, um, I, I'm going to go Texas on this. I've, I've got to stick with what – because, like, I mean, I, I am pleased with what I saw from Milrow. I do have a lot more confidence in Milrow and the offense after that game, but I still think – it being early in the season, they're still figuring things out. And if, especially if Malachi Moore and Key are out, um, I just think Sar- Sarkeesian is going to come in there with a plan. 
uh, to confuse the defense, to confuse maybe, you know, a true freshman, Caleb Downs. Um, so I'm going to go take this in a close one. I want to be wrong, so please, you know, I would love to be wrong on this one, but <laughs> I'm going Texas 31-28. Texas 31-28. And I hope you're wrong, Stephen, but if anybody's listening, Stephen is a expert picker. And let's kind of move into – there's not a lot of great week two matchups, so we're going to kind of hit on our biggest takeaways from week one. But let me set the stage for you. We make some videos on social media, and we give upset alerts. And Steven goes out on a limb, and he goes, Colorado over Tennessee, a 20-point dog. Steven goes – TCU. Yes, my bad. Colorado over TCU, a 20-point dog. We put that out there on social media. People are trashing Steven. He's dumb. He they don't know are. what he's talking about. No respect to my man. My man pulls off the upset of the year. Steven, the floor is yours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I caught it. Now, I was, you know, talking a little bit about that game. I was shocked. Um, I just think TCU, they just – They're garbage. I'm not sure what they – well, yeah, I don't think they're as good. I think they're overrated, but I also think they – you know, one of our comments, we said we think they outsmarted themselves and someone – coming they didn't outsmart themselves they just got outplayed yes i think they did but i also think they came in there thinking hey we're just going to throw it around all around the field and it's this colorado's d-line is small they don't have much depth i don't think they ran it that tcu ran it as much as they should have i mean if you look at the box score that's the thing if you look at the stats tcu i think averaged over seven yards per carry but if you actually watch the game and not just look at the box score then you'll see where, you know, they just didn't own the line of scrimmage like they should have. I mean, Stuart Sanders had all day to throw on most passes, all day long. Now, he made some good plays under pressure, um, but they just didn't get enough pressure on him. On the two interceptions that they threw, that TCU threw in the red zone, I think one was, like, first and goal, and they come out throwing. The other one was third and, like, half a yard, and they come out throwing. Both interceptions in the red zone. So, I think they just, instead of just, like, being, you know, just looking at the numbers, saying, "Hey, Colorado's small in the middle. They're not very deep. We're gonna just run it down their throats." They came out just, you know, kind of slinging it all over the place. Yeah, Shador Sanders, man, he he looked absolutely special. I'm gonna mention Travis Hunter. 144 snaps played both ways. Dude was a beast. 11 catches, 100 for 119 yards. Had an interception. The guy is special. Congrats to Coach Prime. He's getting a lot of love. They've jumped all the way into the AP Top 25. I think they're like 20-something. I don't remember. Uh, they're in the yeah. coaches' poll. I mean, they are getting all kind of love. I heard somebody say, you know, is it crazy to say that Colorado could be in the playoff mix? And I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes. You know, they beat a bad I, – I think TCU's pathetic. I mean, that was an embarrassing performance. But let's – Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see TCU having – just looking at their schedule – I could see probably five or six losses oh, easy. at the end of the year. Yeah, easy, and that was a pathetic game. Well, let's move on to another game that we were big on. So I'll set the stage for this one too, Stephen. Last week we had an LSU fanatic, Matt Muller, on. And he tells me LSU's going to the playoffs and they're going to make the national championship. He's super excited. So I'm like, okay, I'm feeling I'm like, I think LSU's going to be good. Sunday night, they're playing Florida State. And let me get let me tell you, LSU, they look solid in the first half. They look pretty good. They couldn't capitalize on some drives early. In the second half, 
Florida State goes on a 31-to-zip run, made LSU quit. I had to call my sister to check on her to make sure my brother-in-law wasn't doing something crazy. And she says, outside kicking the dog. I'm like, dude, calm down. Poor, I mean, the corn dog LSU fans, they're crying. I feel bad. For, I personally feel bad, but not all hope is lost. I actually like what I saw from LSU a little bit. Steven, give me your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean, they looked – well, in the first half, they looked way better. Um, <clears throat> they looked like a playoff team. They looked like a – probably could be a championship team. And, um, you know, they – I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, Florida State is a good team. They're a very good team. But what's concerning is, you know, last year when they lost, they were – Jay Daniels was still figuring things out. He was still figuring out the offense. He was still figuring out – is he going to be a running quarterback or a passing quarterback? They were still figuring him out. What type of offense do they want to be? What type of plays do they want to call? And all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, still figuring things out on defense last year in the first game. This year, that's supposed to be like – I understand it's the first game of the season and you got to figure out things. But this is Jaden Daniels' second year in that offense. He knows what to do. He knows everything. And he didn't play bad. I'm not saying he played bad. No, but I'm no. just saying overall as a team, this was a team that had a lot of players – coming back that shouldn't have had to been figuring things out and, and stuff in the first game. But, yeah, they just – I mean, I don't know what happened. If if it was LSU went into that locker room and came out and changed everything they were doing or FSU changed every single thing they were doing. Whatever it was, you know, it, it like you said, 31-0 to zero run. And FSU absolutely dominated them in the second half. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened because I watched the first half with my father-in-law, Mr. Jeff, and we were both like, man, LSU, you know, they look pretty solid. Honestly, I kind of had me scared as an Alabama fan. And then the second half, man, they get the brakes beat off. They get they honestly quit, and they got punked out in all seriousness. But I, I'm, I'm still a little fearful of them because of how well they looked in the first half. So I don't know which team they are. I'm guessing maybe they'll play tight until you give up a couple scores and then they'll quit. Now, in all fairness, they were without their All-American, Mason Smith, in the middle. Apparently, their starting running back was suspended or something. I saw that. I'm not sure. And honestly, Florida State looked absolutely great. And that yeah, league, I mean, they, they, look, they look great. Yeah. Um, the, the quarterback, the receivers, the receivers that transferred in. Oh, my um, the, the, you know, they have a The guy that transferred in from Michigan State. They have a. I can't remember if he transferred in if he was there last year. That six foot seven. Oh yeah, he was there uh, last year. Receiver, which is to me kind of mind blowing. I didn't see we didn't see any deep shots, and we're just saying, hey, you're six foot seven. I'm just gonna throw it up, and you can still get the ball. Um, but no, I mean they have phenomenal skill players. They got the the I don't know. I guess he looks at a tight end. He came from South Carolina, but he could play. Mm. Running back, tight end, receiver. He kind of – I'm not saying he's as good as Brock Bowers. Yeah, but he's kind of like a Brock Bowers type of player where he can carry the ball, run the ball, he can block, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're – they look they look very, very good. And looking at their schedule, I could, they could – especially after Clemson, oh my God. you know, choked versus Duke, they oh could very God. easily run the table and win out and get in the playoffs. Yeah, I think they could too. And, and you mentioned Clemson. That was probably the most sad I, I was this week. Um, I mean, my God. I had him in the playoffs. I think you did too. I really thought Lincoln Riley yeah. – I mean, Garrett Riley coming in would change things. 
But, dude, Dabo is a problem. They asked, apparently, it was either during the game or before the game or something, talking about what Garrett Riley brings to the offense and stuff. And Dabo says, Garrett Riley's not coming in here to run his offense. He's coming in here to oversee the Clemson offense. And I'm like, Dabo, y'all were trash last year, your offense. You got one of the best offensive minds in there. Let the man do what he wants. And then you go out and see what they did. I mean, 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing, passing is not bad. But you had two missed field goals, fumbled twice inside the five-yard line, and then Cade Klubnick throws a pick. And I'm just like, this is so embarrassing. Duke absolutely blasting them. Yeah, I was. I didn't even watch that until I watched all the way up until halftime. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And um, I thought Clemson would pull away. And then we see, you know, shout out to Riley Leonard, local guy, oh, fair shout out, quarterback. Shout out. We'll get him on the pod. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean, he had a great game. He, he, you know, they pulled a big upset. Yeah, they did, man. We're super excited. That's probably all we got. Oh, mob set alert for this week if you're listening. The University of Cal, California, will upset the Auburn Tigers Saturday, 9 p.m. Think so? Central time. Yep, call them a shot. Man, oh, that, that's right. That is a late game. Because oh, yeah. It's after the Bama game. California. Yeah. Well, I won't be watching that entire thing. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That'll be a late one. I'm going to call. See, my upset, let's see if I can go two for two. It's not a huge upset, but I would say it, it will be a little bit of one. Uh, Miami, I'm going to have them – it's going to be at Miami, Texas A&M at Miami. I'm going to have Miami beating Texas A&M from Jimbo Fisher. That would be a big upset. We hope you enjoy this episode this week. Next week, we'll try to be in person, and we may have a interview next week with a former Alabama player. We were supposed to get our Darius Stewart tonight. Something kind of fell through. We're going to reschedule that for later in the year, so be looking forward to that. We hope Alabama does it this week. Big opportunity, Texas. But until next week, we'll see you. See you.